how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Samir, you ever get jealous of me? Have I ever gotten jealous of you? Probably, yeah. Probably? Probably. Not a definitely? Not a definitely. Nothing. I think it's probably. Not my wit. Not my good looks. Not my handwriting, even. Oh, handwriting, yes. All right. Wow. Okay, there I it is. I was like, come I, on, man. I am very... Give me something. I have horrible handwriting. Yeah. And you wrote me a card. That was very nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that was good handwriting. Thank you. Well, welcome to this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. On this episode, we are going to do some creator support and answer your questions from Reddit. We're also going to talk about some of the main headlines in the creator economy. Colin, what are we talking about today? Today, we're talking about jealousy Woo. as a creator. We're talking about how to explain to your friends and family what you do. And like you said, we're going to be covering some of the headlines. Andrew Callahan selling his documentary to HBO and Night Media raising $100 million for creators. Whoa, big episode. Also, if you're not subscribed to our YouTube channel, we have just entered the home stretch. We crossed 990,000 subscribers. 10,000 to go till a million. All right, quick favor before we start this episode. If you guys watch our content, listen to our content, we think you guys would love our newsletter, The Published Press. Published Press is a free newsletter that we send three times a week. We cover the top news in the creator economy, and on Sundays, we dive deep into a single topic. So if that sounds interesting to you, we think you guys should at least try it out if you haven't subscribed yet. Go to thepublishedpress.com, put in your email. You get an email every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. And if you don't like it, text Colin or DM him. All right, let's get into the show. I will not text you back. All right, Colin, a lot of spicy questions today in the Reddit. I mean, specifically one question. What's that? Jealousy. Oh, such a great topic. More of a topic, but... Such a great topic. Um, the question is, how do you deal with jealousy? And we're going to get to that along with some of your other questions on Reddit. But first, just want to recap some of the happenings in the creator world. First happening is we were in San Francisco this week speaking to LinkedIn. Which was lovely. That was so fun. I would love to speak at more companies. Yeah, I had a great time. We got to speak to about 150 employees at LinkedIn, um, all about the creator economy. We actually also got to go to the office and see the view of San Francisco from the See, office. that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Touring the offices of these tech companies. When do you think you- What's lunch like at Google? How about Shopify? That's the thing. It's actually touring the cafeterias of these companies. What about a new YouTube channel where we just pit their cafeterias head to head? Honestly, Who has the best one? That would go crazy because, I mean, even at LinkedIn, they have 25,000 employees. Yeah. So they were even talking to us about a TikTok creator who worked at LinkedIn who went viral based off, you know, the foundation of people at LinkedIn watching her content. Yeah, you could just make content for LinkedIn employees. Yeah, yeah. It was fascinating. Yeah. But, you know, it was a great panel. Uh, it was super fun to talk to the LinkedIn team about how creators are going to continue to, you know, kind of expand on LinkedIn. And I think some of the things that are interesting, obviously we have a partnership with LinkedIn, but the context of being on LinkedIn is very different. When you post on LinkedIn, 
you're not just creating for likes or engagement, you're creating for opportunity. And that's something that came in from LinkedIn said to us yesterday, I never thought about it like that. Like the opportunity that when you throw something out on a platform like LinkedIn, what could come back is monetizable opportunities. Mm -hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah, and it just makes it easier to post because yeah. your audience is niched down, mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not going to post on Twitter about the creative side of this business. It's not really an audience that I'm building there. But sure. on LinkedIn, I know that that's something people would be interested in. Right, right. All right, man. Like, stop being so obsessed with your LinkedIn posts. You're the one who brought it up, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a great trip to San Francisco. And this, this month for us is actually a pretty wild travel month. Next week, we're out of town um, with YouTube. And the week after that is VidSummit. So it's, there's all kinds of stuff happening in September, which makes it incredibly challenging to, um, to sit in here and like actually focus on the episodes that we have to get out. So not super easy to do, but I think it's part of the, the challenges of being a creator. Um, we have a, we have an author named Ryan holiday coming on the show and I'm really excited about that because he's one of my favorite authors. If you guys haven't read his books, he wrote ego is the enemy obstacle is the way growth hacker marketing uh, and he has a new book coming out. But one thing he talked about was that, you know, when he started and was really accelerating in his writing career, he was living in New York. And in New York City, what he noticed is he was meeting people for coffee. He was going to meetings. He um, was trying to squeeze writing in, in between his meetings. And he recognized that that is not being a writer. That actually he needed to, the default needed to be that he was writing. And occasionally he had meetings when he could squeeze those in. And he decided to move out of New York for yeah. that reason so that he could focus. And that's basically what we're going through right, right now. now. Yeah. We're squeezing podcasts and we're squeezing videos mm -hmm. in between meetings, in between public speaking. Yeah. All stuff that we enjoy. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's one of the honest challenges of growing as a creator or creative is as you continue to grow, like your opportunities grow as well. But the thing that you need to be doing is is doing the thing, <laughs> is creating. Um, and so it's a, it's a really interesting challenge that... We're also not great at focusing if we're being completely honest, sure. like in our history of working together. Yeah. We love doing different things. Yeah. It's not like our mentality is that we're just happy doing one thing. Right. We yeah. look for other opportunities. Totally. Some creators that we know, I don't think have this problem because they're so laser focused mm -hmm. on the videos that they're making and that's all they want to do. I think there's also um, something that I've been thinking about a lot is this concept of scarcity as a creator or an entrepreneur where... When you're, when you're creators like us that lived through six years of, of scarcity, right? Where the views are scarce, your monetization opportunities are scarce, the money is scarce. You, you kind of live in a world where all of a sudden it, I mean, honestly, a year ago, we were a completely different business. So now we live more in a place of abundance. We have opportunities every single day, monetizable opportunities, really cool opportunities, um, guest opportunities, all types of opportunities every single day. And I think like for me, mentally, it feels like I'm still have some remnants of this scarcity mindset where when things come my way, I have to say yes, because I'm like, well, I remember a world where none of this existed. And I think that's a training process that takes a lot longer. And, you know, without a coach or a mentor, I think you have to learn it on your own and you have to go through all these experiences. It's like what, what our conversation with Paul Rabel, which was, was the last episode of the show where he talks about, you know, all of a sudden becoming a professional athlete and not having guidance, 
you know, as to what that means to become a professional athlete. I think that's the thing that happens at a much more intense scale with creators that all of a sudden you're a professional creator and you're like trying to navigate it. I think that's what makes like having good teams surrounding you really important. We're kind of living the life of travel vloggers at the moment, but that's not the type of channel we have. I mean, we're doing some interesting things. We're traveling all the time. Yeah. We're both Delta Diamond medallion members. Oh my God, go on. Take it easy with the flexes, man. You did like, by the way, back to LinkedIn, that was a, that was a wild LinkedIn post. Is that that you not, threw out. Am I not supposed to post that achievement on LinkedIn that, that I'm a that was diamond crazy that medallion you member your, the top your tier? Airline status on LinkedIn. What's the, what's the problem with that? That was, people would be interested in that on LinkedIn because they're also traveling for business. That was insane. Accruing miles. I just want to note that that was insane. Don't judge the way that I do LinkedIn. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> I'm doing crazy. it my own way. <laughs> that was crazy. Um, okay. A couple of things that you know, have happened in the creator landscape. Um, Casey Neistat posted on YouTube. He's starting to post more regularly and he moved back to New York city. That's pretty exciting. I really want to have Casey on the show. Uh, And I think now that he's posting again, it's like prime time for that. Uh, But it's really cool to start to have this world of vlogging come back. Tommy in it is also vlogging in New York city right now. Cody Ko just started this running channel. It almost feels like we're cycling back around to a more personal version of YouTube again. Yeah. And that's so exciting to me. I know. I watched Casey's video today of him moving back to New York. And yeah. all I wanted to do was make a vlog. Again, getting back to us sure. with focus. Yeah, like yeah, I watched yeah. something like that. Yeah. And I'm not jealous. Oh, tying it back to the, the title of the show. Okay. I admire what he's doing. And it looks so fun that I want to do it as well. But, you know, it's not what we do. That's not our business. It's making vlogs. Yeah. Can be. There's ways to solve it. Maybe. You know, there's ways to solve it. Um, all right. So that, that concept of jealousy, um, this comes from Angelo Jr. from the Reddit. It says, I'm having problems with jealousy. Guys, I need your opinion. My name is Angelo. I'm from Mozambique and I have a small TikTok account. So basically this friend that I made on TikTok, we would spend hours talking about how to grow on TikTok, do lives together. But one day everything changed. He went viral. Now he has like 250,000 followers. And at first I was happy for him. I've started to feel bad about myself comparing to his success and my own performance on TikTok. So my question is, am I being unfair with him? Most importantly, am I being unfair with myself? What a question. Yeah. What a question and what a relevant topic for creators. I think, um, first of all, Angelo, what I want to say, this is a completely normal feeling and experience without question. This is like a completely normal experience. Um, I think in our, in our era, when we were really struggling to grow on YouTube and I would watch people we knew find success, I had a very similar feeling. I would, I would have described it more as like frustration than jealousy. Um, just around like, I, why can't we figure this out if everyone else around us is figuring it out? Especially people we knew personally, especially people we would be in the room when they were figuring it out. For me, I was like, why can't we figure this out? So I can totally empathize with this concept of frustration and, and, and being confused about how you should feel about yourself. I think jealousy is something that so many creators feel because yeah. we're, it's not like we're posting these videos in a vacuum we're consuming so much of what our friends, our peers Mm -hmm. are doing. And it's not a competitive thing that we're doing. Like there's enough room for everyone, but it's so easy to look at someone's numbers, to look at the experiences they're going through 
and feel like you are immediately less than because you're on the same platform. Sure. Right. And like, even though something could have felt like a win to you of like, you had a good title thumbnail, you had a good video, you felt like it, it did well. All of a sudden you could see it on YouTube next to someone else's that's similar and they have a million views and you're like, well, was that that good? Right. Is that what I should be aspiring towards? Mm-hmm. And I think this um, creates a lot of confusion when it comes to what should you be making? Like, are you chasing the thing that's working, right? Are you looking at someone else and saying, well, they are getting a million views on this, so maybe I should just be doing exactly that. And I think not letting this jealousy lead you down that path and even to take it a step back and say how we've sorted this out or how I personally feel like I've sorted out some of this frustration is really getting hyper-specific with the life that I want and what I want out of making content. Um, because I have to paint a picture of the world that I want to exist in. Like some things I've been thinking about recently is the world I want to exist in is where I have time. I have time in the mornings. I have time to go work out and to play tennis and to like do other things. So then I actually have to build my content calendar around that. I have to think about how I want this landscape of what we're doing to exist. And you know, that's, that might not be a world that is extremely viral. It might not be a world that's sleep in your office every night and, you know, grind out these videos, what, what the sacrifice it does take to perform at that level. And I think you have to get really extremely clear with exactly what you want out of your career. But I'm not going to say that's easy because we're all living in a public platform where it's like your successes and failures are in front of everyone. Yeah. And you're watching other people succeed that are your contemporaries. I think what you're saying there about making, you know, your specific lifestyle, the goal is actually really similar to the top reply in the Reddit Mm. from throwback gaming. And it says, if you make the process, your goal, it makes everything easier. Yeah. And I think that's exactly right. That you should be thinking about, you know, the majority of your experience as a creator is going to be making the things, yeah. not watching how they perform mm. and how it feels, how they perform. Like you're actually, the way you're going to be spending your time, your life is making the stuff, yeah, right? Telling the stories, crafting the videos. So thinking about, are you enjoying the experience of that? Are you around people that are energizing you, right? Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to because if you're enjoying that part of it, there's way less time to even think about how you're jealous of everyone else because you've gotten to a point where you're happy with the process of doing it, of Mm -hmm. making the thing. Yeah, I would also say that uh, for me, I feel like the amount of time it's taken us to find success on the platform is exactly how long it needed to take us for us to mature to the level to be able to handle what's going on. You know, like I think that's also something to think about is that for us, I, I would much rather a slow and gradual rise than an overnight pop. I don't think I would have been able to handle that, you know, in our 20s. Anytime we did have pops where like things were really going off, we almost, we didn't know how to handle it. We were like, I don't know. I just want to, like when we got into the flow of this show, it's been a little bit easier to understand step by step and brick by brick. Like, okay, now like this is working. Now this is working. I just want to move a little bit slower. And I think that allows for a more sustainable career, but it's not to say like, this is hard. You and a friend, you know, starting something together and one blows up. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at ourselves, right. And let's say five years from now, I'm on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah. And they're like, that guy's the, the creator of the moment. Yeah. And maybe you stopped making videos just yeah. in a hypothetical scenario that, or we switch that. Sure. 
there's no doubt that you'd be sitting there being like, I feel some sort of way about this. Yeah, for sure. Right. I think it would depend on, I think it would depend on like how I felt about the whole thing. Yeah. You know, like how I felt about creating, how we left off, how, but yeah, of course, of course. The only remedy for that, I think is a, is knowing yourself and a level of maturity. For sure. Let's say you're on the cover of Rolling Stone in five years and I'm not even making videos. I would be happy for you. Mm -hmm. It would still feel weird, but I'd be happy for you. And I would feel more okay with it if the reason that that happened is because I made a deliberate decision exactly to remove myself for yeah. my own happiness. What if you didn't make a deliberate decision? What if you, what if you and I break up and you're making YouTube videos and I'm making YouTube videos and then I blow up? I think I would have to silo the type of content that I consume. Like, I think right. I'd be happy for you, but I, if I was also trying to go at that career now yeah. solo, yeah. it's like, I mean, I would want to have your help and support through it. Sure. If we were going separate ways, but it also would be like, oh, I can't, I can't like spend too much time in that world yeah. because our successes used to be joint successes mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know who, who said this, but it's thrown around a lot, but comparison is the thief of joy. Um, and I think it's a really important thing to, to, to say it's super hard to practice. I'm not here saying that this is an easy practice. We're all human. Like we're going to feel jealous. Um, but one tangible thing that Matt from yes theory suggested to me was to take out a pen and pad and write down what's enough for you. What's enough viewership? What's enough money? What's enough, you know, validation? Like what is, what is this thing you want? Cause if you leave it as uncapped and just indefinite, you know, I, I actually want 250,000 followers because he has 250,000 followers. You're, you're chasing something that's not going to ever fulfill itself. Yeah. I would start with what's enough from the environment you want to work in. Yeah. What does the space look like? Is it a home office or is it a studio? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. How many people do you want with you? What types of people? This whole thing is a journey of self-discovery. And I would say like focusing on that journey and writing down the goals of that journey are your first step to navigating the world of jealousy. Speaking of jealousy. Andrew Callahan, I know. No. Okay, all right. I'm going to get there. Okay. You brought up that you want more free time so that you can play tennis. Yeah. Now, the last time that we played paddle tennis. Uh Uh-huh. Actually, I'll start here. The first time we played paddle tennis. Yeah. You took me down. Big time. In front of an audience. Crowd. Yeah. I need need a crowd to perform. Okay. You took me down pretty, you know, handedly. Yeah. The next time that we played, it was an all-out battle. And I almost, I almost beat you. Right. I was jealous. You were, but I'm ready for a rematch. <laughs> okay, and I think me too. I will beat but, you this time. But here's the problem: I've I'm been manifesting think- it. <laughs> I agree. I've been I've been thinking about this rematch, but like, when the hell do we do it? I know that's the it's problem. insane. I don't yeah. think we can do it until October. No, come on. When are we going to do it? We it's crazy. Our schedules are crazy. What are we right doing now? if we don't have time to that's play paddle tennis? That's what I'm tennis. saying. We got to build the world that we want to live in. Yeah, a paddle tennis world. Paddle tennis. A paddle world. tennis positive world. Yeah. So what you guys? Yeah, you guys will know. You guys will know when we play next. Um. So back to jealousy. Sure. Yeah. Andrew Callahan. Now I first want to celebrate Andrew Callahan. So Andrew Callahan, um, if you guys don't know, creator of originally all gas, no breaks. Now channel five does these very raw documentary style pieces of very intense moments, sometimes comical things like he'll go, um, to to different earth conference, go to a flat earth conference. He went to the January 6th riots, uh, he'll go into the BLM movement. Like he'll go into these places and really show us what it looks like. We did an episode on him. So I'd recommend checking that out. 
but he just had one of his pieces picked up by HBO and produced by A24, which is the same production company that does Euphoria. And I mean, like they're just yeah. knockout production company. Um, but it's this is the first time I feel like I've seen a creator's content get licensed and syndicated. Like that content is kind of already out, isn't it? Uh, I'm not positive about that. Some of it, some of it, some may of it be is out. out. Yeah. yeah, but basically, he did a road trip leading up to got it the January 6 riots at the Capitol and filmed as a documentary. HBO picked it up, and I'm guessing you're a little bit jealous. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'm actually not jealous of that exact situation. I'm jealous of the concept of being able to make a documentary and have it go on HBO. Again, that's a lifestyle thing. Yeah. I would never want to live his life of exactly. traveling in a van and going to these crazy events and interviewing people. Yeah. But very, very cool. Yeah. He but, has now a documentary that will be on HBO. I mean, again, I think as creators, you know, we can make stuff that tons of people see, but there's a different weight to having something on HBO. There's a different weight to being recognized by traditional media. There's a different weight to having a production company like A24 involved in what you do. Now in practice, it might suck, right? Like we've, we've done stuff in traditional media. It's, it's not as fun as doing stuff on YouTube, but there's still this like validation that you want from that. And first, I'm really happy that creators are starting to see that validation. I think we were talking about this yesterday. You, you go watch Eric videos right now and you're like, he's making TV and any yeah. TV network could pick this up and it would be their biggest show. That's a crazy thought. That's a crazy thought. That They're that's making existing. TV, but because of the systems in place to ensure that content is good on YouTube, like the algorithm, yeah. whatever it is, it's better than television. Right. It hooks your attention and, and for longer amounts of time. It's more interesting. There's also less people involved. Like if Andrew Callahan set out to go do the January 6th doc, but started with HBO as a partner, it's not as good. Yeah. And, and I, I can't say that with, you know, a definitive firm, like it's definitely not as good, but from historical data, I think that's not as good. So I love that what's happening is creators are making their thing and then networks are coming and saying, Hey, let's, let's see how to take that thing and, and put it on our, our network. Yeah. My assumption with Andrew Callahan's documentary is that when it comes out, it will be stylistically very similar to what he does on YouTube. Yeah. I think that's a great thing because that doesn't always happen. That's huge. So is it time for my first gripe? I have uh, so many. Let me check my watch. I have so many gripes this week. And Hold I, on. Yeah, it's time. I don't think we can go into all of them. I think I'll have to save some for next week. So it's right. just a little cliffhanger. But um, number one, I went to the dentist last week. Okay. Now the dentist as a whole is just not a super fun experience. It's right? a societal everyone, gripe. Yeah. That's, you even everyone, have to do this like, madness. Sure. Everyone understands this is like a... What are we doing? Yeah. What have we, what have we all just normalized? Right. Insane. But my issue is that I feel like dentists in general are kind of like car mechanics. You're walking out or even like when they're in your mouth, you know, mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, yeah. Okay. I see, um, you know, a quick chip on OD two. Yeah. Can you write that down? Oh yeah. Just, yeah. Ooh, are you? Is OD2 even a right. tooth? Is that even a tooth? Yeah. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then as you're walking out, the receptionist is like, okay, the dentist would like to see you back here uh, in two weeks. You need to do x-rays. And you had a little bit of a filling come out over here. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to just tune that up. And she just wants to check a few things. And that'll be around like $1,500. And you're like, are you upselling me right now? Is this an upsell or is this you're real? You're at a disadvantage, man. Is this real or is it an upsell? I mean, 
Look, if you, if you want to negotiate, go to dental school or bring a dentist. You have yeah, a friend who's thing, a dentist. I do. And that's why I asked him. I asked him all kinds of questions. And one thing I learned, sparkling water, bad for your teeth. Mm. Unbelievable, right? But back to this dentistry that they do. Like, yeah. like you don't know. Yeah. You don't know if, if what they're saying is terrifying, correct. You're handcuffed. You're handcuffed. Yeah. So what are you going to say? No, actually, no, I'll let my teeth fall out. You don't say that. You say, take all my money and my teeth will feel pretty much the same. Thank right. you. And I have no idea if actually you just made a substantial yeah. impact or it's not. actually not like a car mechanic. I get the parallel that you're making. Yeah. But with a car, you generally know when things are really wrong. Mm-hmm. And if your car, let's say, isn't running, you take it to the mechanic, hopefully you leave and it's running. My teeth are still eating food. That's right. That's right. So this question comes from Dipeter. Uh, Dipeter says, explaining your career to IRL or offline friends. I live in the Midwest and my group of IRL slash offline friends are doing the exact same thing. Corporate life, married early, buying houses. They don't consume the internet nearly as much as I do. They're way more into things like sports and Netflix. This is a problem for me. This wasn't a problem for me at all until I started my journey of becoming a creator. Maybe I'm not explaining what I do correctly, but they all talk to me like I moved to Hollywood and I'm trying to become famous at any cost. I'm the only one in the group without a full-time job. And whenever my work comes up, it just feels like they're walking on eggshells around me, namely because I haven't really had any success yet. It can become pretty disheartening and it keeps me from wanting to hang out with them. Since I've gone off on this career path, I find it really hard to relate to them. I'm always thinking about this stuff, something I'm sure many of you relate to. And when I'm with them, I find it hard to engage with anything that they're talking about because I'm thinking about my stuff. I know this is really self-centered of me, but it's the reality at the moment. I'd like to think that this will get better as I start having success, but that's a dangerous mindset to have. Is this just a part of getting older and moving on to a new chapter of my life, or is there something I'm missing? Well, the Reddit is getting so getting deep. good, man. So getting yeah. so existential. And what's crazy is I feel like all these questions relate to chapters in our career. Yeah. Like I, I, I read these questions and I'm like, yep, I, we were there. I, ex- I experienced this for a very long time. There was, there was times where I would absolutely avoid the what do you do question. I try my best to avoid it. And then I would answer, and sometimes I still do this saying, oh, I work in media. Yeah. Oh, what do you do? I produce advertising. Same. I Just see. like simplest answer. And even that, they're not interested. Yeah, yeah. I think what I feel bad about sometimes is that, you know, 10 years into this career and my dad still can't really explain it to friends of his or people that he meets. Yeah. And I would imagine it's such a source of pride to be able to talk about your kids. Yeah. And like, if you're proud of them and yet he can't explain it. And I, I don't know. I always think about it in that, in those terms of imagining him in a conversation where he's kind of fumbling and I feel bad that mm. like, I don't have a career that's yeah. easy for him to just say what it is and be proud of. What's interesting now though, is I say we have a podcast yeah. So we have a podcast. Yeah. I told him I'm like Larry King live. <laughs> I said, just tell people my son's like the next Larry King live. Do you feel like you're the next Larry King live? Maybe man. Put on some glasses, <laughs> suspenders, gray hair. Yeah. It but is. I just was trying to explain to him that now that we interview people, yeah. that that's kind of a comp from legacy sure. media. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, it's widely understood that you have a podcast. I think what I'd never go into is like, unless someone knows what I'm talking about, like the success of it. And I actually used to have a lot of ego around that when we weren't successful. So just to dig into that part, when we weren't successful, I tried to find anchor points to prove that we were successful. 
you know, like I would try and find something to prove that what I was doing was of value. Um, whether mainstream, yeah, like try and compare it to something today. I actually don't, you know, now that we have become successful doing it, I just don't even care. Like if someone asks me what I do, I'm like, Oh, I have a podcast and I don't feel any necessary, like any necessity to follow up and be like, and it's, and it works. It's successful. I make money doing it. Yeah. It's, it's good. I have a career. It's going to be okay. You know, like I don't have that, that feeling. It's just like if they're, if, if in their head, they're like, everyone has a podcast. I'm like, okay. Yeah, it doesn't, it matter. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But that's you can say that from a place of success. Oh, yeah, for sure. But that's what I'm saying. When we weren't successful, I try. If someone said, "What do you do?" and I said, "Oh, I run a media company. We work with clients like Samsung," and and, blah, 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 and you're just like, "What?" Like you're just trying to prove something to yourself, really, yeah. that you are successful. I think when it comes to hanging out with friends, I do remember that in the early days of starting a YouTube channel, it felt very exciting. There was some novelty yeah. around it. Also, the social network had just come out and, it, and for some reason it kind of felt like we were doing that, yeah. even though we weren't. Like if you were in on like YouTube or Facebook at that time, it was like you were of the times. Yeah, it was interesting that we were doing something different. Yeah. And then the novelty really wears off as people get older because mm-hmm. they're in their careers and you just talk less about it, I think. Yeah. Right. I would hope also though that like with your group of friends, you have other things to talk about beyond career. You know, I think... Um, you know, making that kind of a, a, a thought of like, who am I beyond this career? But now to talk about the last piece of this puzzle that you talked about, which was, it's all you think about and it's all you want to talk about. I totally understand that. In our first business, um, the lacrosse network, I didn't want to talk about anything else. And I actually totally just stopped socially engaging because uh, I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to think about anything else. I didn't want to yeah. work on anything else. I didn't want to like do anything else. That's all I wanted to do. And I think it's okay to be an entrepreneur that goes through that phase where you're just like, this is, this is a new thing and I'm really into it. Yeah. I was that way as well. I do wish, I do regret a little bit, not putting in the work to do some other things outside of it. Sure. I don't, I think it was the right thing at the right time to do what we did, but it would have definitely been healthier to have pushed myself to explore things that had nothing to do with what we were doing. And it probably would have made me better at my job to have different perspectives. I agree with that. And I also want to provide the perspective of there's some parts of a creator journey and an entrepreneurial journey that are going to be unhealthy. There's going to be parts where you're, you're abnormally obsessed with the thing you're doing. And the goal is to make that not permanent but I don't think I can sit here and say that it's possible to have success without a certain portion of your time being really dedicated to your thing. I think we're just saying that from our experience though, too. It's hard to, it's hard to speak to any other types of experiences when that's just what we've had. A period of unhealthy work. But but what I'm saying is I think I've listened to enough people who are successful to also understand that there is that period that exists, you know? But yeah, I don't know another way. I think that that is probably, you know, something that just has to be a part of it. Feel free to disagree with me, but I'm just saying, I think that that is definitely a part of entrepreneurship. You know, there's going to be a time where it just takes over your mind. Yeah. I think if it doesn't, then you're probably not that into it, you know? But, you know, advice here, find a group of creators that you can talk to. You know, maybe find it in the Reddit. Hopefully you have found it through our Reddit. Um, But find a group of creators that you can talk to. You know, again, we're part of this group 
uh, that we meet with once a week. And that context of that conversation, that context can't live in any of my other conversations, right? Like it's but hyper the, specific. It's so specific. Um, but getting to speak to a group of five creators about what's happening on YouTube and the business of being a creator, that experience is so, um, you know, granular and specific that it allows for my other time away from it. Like I'm fulfilled with my mm -hmm. obsession with YouTube at work and through those conversations and through, you know. Yeah, because worst case scenario, you're at a party and you make a joke about CTR and AVD and it just bombs. That's right. Right. Then you're not, or you even then just, you're not fulfilled. Yeah. Or you even just say CTR or AVD and, and then you're just, you probably are kicked out of the party. Yeah. So you yeah. want to put yourself in the party where it's cool to say CTR and AVD. Exactly. Yeah. And That's then right. you're fulfilled because people laugh at you. You That's can right. move on. Um, Night Media just launched Night Capital. $100 million bet on finding the next Mr. Beast. That is the headline in the New York Times. Now, at a high level, my understanding of what they're doing, they partnered with the Chernin Group, which is, again, a massive investment firm. You know, for context, the Chernin Group's the one that bought half of Barstool Sports uh, for like an unbelievable amount of money. They've been legacy in uh, media. They produce films. They like really understand the world of media. So Reed and, and Knight Media are, are partnering with them to have enough capital to go buy companies like consumer product companies and then pair relevant talent with those companies. I like that idea. I think that's a really good idea. I think it's a, I like that better than just a fund that's going to finance creator businesses mm -hmm. because what's not realistic is to suggest that a creator is going to operationalize a business from the ground up and not every creator is Mr. Beast where you can get, you know, the former CEO or CMO of RX bar to come run Feastables. That's not, most creators, right? And if we're looking at this at scale, what gets really interesting is if you find a business that's reasonably successful, that has their process down, that has their operations down, and then you buy that business and add a creator to it, and you say, you keep doing what you're doing, and you keep doing what you're doing, and let's see how these things work together. That's a cool thesis. I like that. It's interesting that they're solving a problem here where for a lot of companies, marketing and advertising has become increasingly difficult. Right? Yes. Like competing in, in this digital landscape yep. has become really, really difficult because it's not their forte. Like they're good at making whatever product they make, but they need to find audience. So it's really a perfect pairing. Totally. And I think there's all these niche businesses that are really interesting. Like my father-in-law just gave us a uh, little kit that you put on your kitchen counter for like herbs and and plants to grow. Yeah, grow you your eat. own basil, grow yeah, your own. Yeah, exactly. of course. That's like a random business, but if they have their stuff down and there's like a gardening YouTuber yeah, or someone like a, a new, let's say you just say like a cooking YouTuber who wants to work with herbs, what an interesting product to launch, right? And have already operationalized. Um, and sometimes this happens where like a big company will buy a smaller company so for example, like a big bike manufacturer will buy a really cool bike brand. And what they'll do is just now use their infrastructure of producing bikes to produce the cool bike brand. And then the cool bike brand will help them figure out how to make their mass appeal bikes more cool. So I think this could work in both ways, right? Where creators have a pulse on how people on the internet are, are 
operating. So, hey, let me help you make your product more viral, more interesting, better story for people on the internet. And let's launch a line for me too. And you operationalize that. There's one really interesting story and I'm forgetting the name of the channel, but it's an, it's a hunting and outdoors channel mm. that bought a outdoor gear company, like right. tents, things like that. Yep. And I think that's super interesting. That's for exactly right. That like, I don't know if they took on investment or if they just were able to purchase it outright, but so cool that they're even thinking that way. Right. That would be like yeah. us when we were building the lacrosse network, if we bought a lacrosse gear company. Mm-hmm. Or right now it would be like if we bought an upstart education company, like a Skillshare competitor, and it had like really great tech for distributing educational content uh, and a good process for producing it, but needed connections to creators, needed more content. And we were able to go out and speak to creators and sign them and bring them to our platform. And, you know, I mean, on that topic, something really interesting we did a couple of days ago was speak to a UCLA class. Oh, that was great. That was awesome. An entire class. We did this virtually, yeah. but it's an entire class dedicated to being a creator. Yeah. I would love to take this class. It's super sure. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But we're teaching it, Colin. But we're teaching yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah, I can't take it. You can't take it. I'm teaching it. But I would like to, maybe I could be a teacher's assistant. There was something in the Reddit about a uh, university professor building a course based off our podcast or a curriculum for like a university class off our podcast. That's pretty crazy. Which makes me think that we should be building curriculum. Agreed. And then licensing it to universities Agreed. all over. Agreed. First tennis match, then yeah, curriculum. Fine. First yeah. we play tennis, then we license curriculum. Then we license curriculum. The classic one-two. Um, okay, a couple other things that are going on. Hot Ones launched a Shake Shack collab. This is now back to this concept. I think like the theme of the news this week is all traditional or legacy pairing with digital. And I feel like that is just the one other note where it's like the digital companies have the audience. The traditional companies know how to produce product and how to operationalize things. Pair audience with operations, it all works. I mean, Hot Ones is the holy grail for, for sure. media first entrepreneurship. Agreed. Um, okay, last thing from the Reddit that I just want to note is uh, Max H Music says, don't blow up the Mercedes. So you guys are familiar. We bought a car for one of our merch reviews uh, from Doug DeMauro. Car's great, but we're not very good with cars. We want our brake, doesn't run. Need to jump it every time we start it. The windows don't go up anymore. So our option that we talked about with Cody and Noel was to blow it up. Um, the general well, consensus from our audience is to not do that. But the general consensus in the office, we talked about it this morning, is let's not blow it up. Let's get it fixed. And then blow it, it up. Doesn't it feel exciting to blow it up? It feels exciting, yeah. but we shouldn't blow it up. We shouldn't blow it up. Let's get it fixed, and we yeah. can either sell it to someone else or so, just keep it. So the suggestion here from Max is that we should partner with Donut Media, which is a, like a channel that's dedicated to cars. So they have a series, uh, fix it and keep it. Here's another idea. We start a new channel, Cars of Colin and Samir. Mm. And we make videos about all of the cars that we own, but we make like video essays about the cars. Like what's the history of this 1992 Mercedes? Who are the other famous people who've driven this car? What was the vintage ad that played? I don't know, man. Why not? It'd be cool. Cars of Colin and Samir. Keep going. Yeah, keep going. I'm, I'm, my silence is an invitation for you to keep going on this idea. <laughs> and we could interview someone while we drive the car. 
Now I'm in. That's right. interesting. There we go. Let me give you my final gripe before we jump off this pod. Okay. Pants with buttons instead of zippers. Yeah. Whoa. My right? blood just boiled. Yeah. Thinking about the experience of going into a bathroom and do a urinal and then having to button well, he, every button. Here's what, the issue. What are we also, doing here? We have zippers. We've seen zippers. We've seen they zippers. Work. And zippers work. And I, like yesterday when we were going on stage with LinkedIn, we're about to go on stage, I noticed one of my buttons was unbuttoned in these new pants that have buttons instead of zipper. And now I'm in front of everyone having to fumble around buttoning my crotch area. Yeah, everyone's like, what are you doing? They're like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. And I'm like, I'm just buttoning, you know, I don't no mind me. I had no idea you were going through that. Yeah, I had to go in the corner. I hope no one caught that. I went to the corner and did it before we went on stage. It's an absurd premise. Yeah. Ugh, buttons, man. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will be back here next week uh, with some really great episodes. We have an interview with Jarvis Johnson coming up. We'll be back on Creator Sport next week. Interview with Ryan Holiday. I feel like these interviews are getting Really exciting for me. Ryan Holiday, especially one of my favorite authors. If you guys have creators that you want to see us interview, please put them in the Reddit. Let us know. We don't know every creator out there. It'd be helpful to have you guys suggest some creators to us. Also, home stretch. We're at 990K, Colin. We're at home. We are stretching. Is that what a home stretch is? Yes. We're getting, we are, yeah. We're at home and we're stretching. So go ahead and help us out. All right. See you next week. 